This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, just some reading, some familiar scriptures. from verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, familiar scriptures tonight, Matthew 5, I've read, read them and preached from them many, many times. And just this week, when I was, um, Pastor had asked me to share, just the scriptures came to me again, especially verses 13 to, to 16. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. But when we think of, of Matthew, you know, Matthew has been called the book of fulfillment. If you read just at the start of Matthew, the amount of times in the first four or five chapters it talks about this was done, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And it really tells us that Jesus came to fulfill Old Testament scriptures. The scriptures that spoke of him, he came to fulfill them. And I don't know, I haven't time to read them tonight, but you look for that when you start to read Matthew. This was done that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But as Jesus has come, there's been a change. And speaking of the Old Testament times have come to an end because Jesus has come to fulfill them. And in a way, the people are asking, this, and this is where we come to the Sermon on the Mount, because the people maybe in their hearts were asking, well, how do we live now? If Jesus is going to fulfill the Old Testament, how do we look at him now? How do we look at the law? How do we look at the things around us? And we come to the Sermon on the Mount, and commentators, there's countless books you can buy and commentaries on the Sermon on the Mount. But most commentators just say it is a manifesto, God's manifesto on discipleship. If we're going to follow Jesus, 
We need a manifesto. We need a, a, a demonstration of how we are to be disciples to Jesus Christ. And when you're reading the Sermon on the Mount in, your, in, these, in the future, think about it in those ways. That we're reading at the manifesto that helps us to be disciples, faithful disciples to Jesus Christ. The one who has come to fulfill all the scriptures. I encourage you to think of it in that way. But I want us to concentrate just tonight on verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. First point I want to just share with you tonight is, who am I? You hear that question asked a lot in the secular world. Who am I? And it's very important here that Jesus says in verses 13 and verses 14, as us as disciples of him, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Listen carefully to those words. Let's not just through familiarity skip over the top of them. What he is saying is you are. You are. If we're born again tonight of the Spirit of God, we are something. We are something for him and to him. You are. You think of the, 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 the men and women of God in the Bible that Jesus chose, or that God chose, Old Testament and New Testament. And you can ask the question, well, I'm just, I'm just we me. But this is not what it's saying. It says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. When God came to Gideon, he said, he called him a mighty man of valor. We think of Elijah. It says he was a man of like passions, meant he was just like you and I. These men could have said, I'm just, who am I among all of these people? But God tells them and told them who they were. And God tonight tells us who we are. We are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. I want to encourage you to think that tonight, not as a mental exercise, but as a statement of fact. That's what this is, a statement of fact. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. That's an awesome statement. And maybe at times you bulk like I do and think, but look at me. But Jesus wasn't wrong. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. It's a statement of fact. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to his disciples. He went up a hill and he called his disciples on to himself. 
in the Sermon on the Mount towards the end that says the people were astonished at his teaching because they heard it also. But he didn't say to them, you are the salt of the earth or you are the light of the world. He spoke to his disciples. He spoke to his followers. And who he says his followers is, are, that's who they are. Let's be encouraged tonight. You are the salt of the earth. Now we have to think. We have an awful habit of projecting what we have now back into those days. But listen, they had no refrigeration back then. You just didn't go down to the local market and come home and put your stuff in the fridge. This is a Middle Eastern country with temperatures in the summer times, 30, 40 degrees. So we can't think that way. We don't, they don't have, we don't live in a day with there's art. They didn't live in a day with there's artificial preservatives. I was, I was looking actually at just a, a, a program about apples. And my mother actually mentioned it. And she says, some of the apples that we have on supermarket shelves are somewhere between six and 12 months old because of the way they've been preserved, because of the way they've been stored, because of the chemicals that have been added. Between six and 12, that was frightening. That is frightening. Six and 12 months old. So it says you're organic Royal Gallas. I only know that one because that's the only one I like. So that is. It could be anywhere between six and 12 months old. Unless you've got your own tree, you're probably eating a very old apple. But anyway, I don't want to put you off apples. <laughs> and that's the same in the old ones. Think in those days, they had wheat, they had to harvest, they did have fruits. But especially with meat, salt, and with fish, they had fresh fish because of the area of the Sea of Galilee. But salt had to be applied if it was going to last for any amount of time. Salt had to be rubbed in. So in a roundabout way, Yes, they could have lived without meat. But it, 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 it was a, not, I don't want to be dramatic and say a life or death. But it really depended on it. It depended on the salt. You know, you, you, there's various ways you can extend the life of fish and meat. You can ferment it, put it in uh, a brine, put the lid on, I'll tell you how to do it, boil your water up. And it can last sometimes for three, four, five months. Now, that's, that doesn't sound very appetizing. But where your life depends on it. It's critical and it's crucial. Salt. We think of light in those days. We get street lights. We usually, you know, years ago, you hear, they said old timers there, so I didn't want to insult anyone. But, you know, people who lived in the country would have talked about it was just pitch black because there was no street lights. There was, there was nothing. You could barely see people in front of you, a, 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 a matter of feet in front. There was no electricity. So the light in the house, that's why it says it had to be put on a stand and it would have lit the whole house and it shone light all around the house. You know, light is a beautiful thing. I don't know if you ever remember at school, I remember uh, we would have got torches and the teacher would have brought it with a prism, 
You know what a prism is? It's like a many-sided. Look at your diamond rings, ladies, or your cubic zircona, depending on who you're married to. <laughs> but the light shines through. I'm insulting everybody tonight. But the light shines through. And it used to, the color, you could see the color refracting. And we see that clearly in the rainbow. Light being refracted. And light is a beautiful thing. And when you think in those days, which pitch darkness, it was great to see the light. It was great to be able to see where you were going and what you were doing. And this is what we, Jesus has drawn attention to. There are two simple metaphors of salt and light, what they would have understood. And we need to understand that in, in this context, in those days, salt was crucial and light was crucial. You know, we took um, the 412 youth last Friday to Murloc Bay. Um, we had a barbecue on the beach and we looked out and there's the, the lighthouse maybe a number of miles away. But you can see that light spinning constantly and clearly as a warning sign to boats, to ships out at sea. And what is it doing? It's crucial. It's crucial that it is seen. It is crucial that the light is seen. Because other than that, there'll be a shipwreck and lives could be lost. So salt and light are important. Simple metaphors, but with profound meanings. If the light doesn't shine, people don't see where they're going. The projector above your head is projecting that picture onto the board or onto the screen. That's light shining and producing that picture. Now, I don't want to get all technical on you, but they measure projectors by what's called lumens. 1,000 lumens, 1,500, 2,000. And the more lumens, the brighter the light. And the brighter the picture we'll see on the, on the screen. Now, that, I don't know what the lumens are in that projector, but you can see the picture well. You can see the picture clear in this bright room. But let's say we could brighten the lights in this room. And you've seen sometimes when we switch this lights on, that gets a bit duller, a bit hazier, a bit more, a little harder to see. So you have to have a brighter light. And this is what the point that Jesus is making here. The light that has to shine has to be brighter than the atmosphere around. It has to be brighter than the culture that is around us. We have to be brighter than the culture, than the world that we live in for Christ. There's a culture out there that's saying this is okay and that's okay. That this is okay with God. And even within the church, the culture is seeping in but what Christ is saying here, there has to be a counterculture. There has to be a counterculture. Something brighter, something saltier, with flavor and savor and preserving qualities has to be at work in the culture of today. 
Because this is the only time we're going to live in. And the church has to live and be more saltier and brighter in our day. We have to counteract it. Just as the light in this room, the light in, in the projector has to counteract the brightness in this room by being brighter. The church needs to be bright. And that's why I bring you back to you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. The answer to it is the church. The answer to the, -cult the culture of this world is the church. And that's the point that Jesus is making. John Stott says we are to run counter to the culture. We have to be different. When we think of the world and we think of the earth, it is prone to decomposition. It is decomposing in its morals, in its standards, in the basics. It is decomposing. And that is the culture of this world. It is prone to darkness. And the deeper the darkness, the worse it gets. And we can see that clearly. But Jesus says we are to be a preservative. You are a preservative in the earth. And you are a light in the world. We can counteract that decomposition. And we can counteract that darkness. Because Jesus says we are to do it because of who he has made us to be. But sadly, the church is, to a degree, embracing the culture. It's embracing the culture. And what does that do? It weakens the salt and it weakens the light. Because look what it says, but if salt has lost its savor, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. The, word, the Greek word there for it's lost its taste means foolishness. It means it has become useless and foolishness. It's foolishness to apply salt that has lost its saltiness to a food item because it won't work. It won't do anything to preserve it. It won't do anything to cause it to last. It's foolishness. And this is what it's saying about the salt here. It's lost its taste. It's foolishness. And it gives nothing to the culture in the day in which we live. You know, we see it, the culture giving way. We see the government rolling over in a lot of standards. Listen, let's be honest, five, ten years ago, we thought we would never see. The rule of law, morality, marriage, you know it as well as I do. We need to be salt and we need to be light. The church has to be distinct and run counter to the world. Strong salt has to be rubbed in. 
bright light. We need to shine it in the eyes of this culture and of this world. What happens when someone shines the light in your eyes? You're dazzled. But hopefully it lets people see more and see the real truth of God's word. Listen, we as salt, we need to rub it in. We as light, we need to shine brighter. We need to shine brighter, just like that projector. We need to shine bright and show the picture of who Jesus really is. You know, Jesus, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with the salt and there's nothing wrong with the light. If you look at it here, it's the quality of the person. It's the quality that needs to be looked at. He's drawing attention to us. We are that salt and we are that light. Because what does he say? The salt can be thrown out useless if it's lost its saltiness. What does he say about the light? It has to be put on a stand and it gives its light to all in the house. It's the quality. It's where it's placed. It's how it's used. It's how it's applied. Let me just, while I was preparing this, I just looked at the effects <coughs> of light on materials. Materials can be classified based on how it responds to light on them or in them. There's opaque materials. They absorb light, but they do not let the light pass through. There's translucent materials. They allow the light to pass through, but distorts the light during the passage. And that clearly, you know, in those two examples, we can see that. And there's a danger in the church that we become opaque, that the light shines in us, but we won't let it pass through. Or we let it pass through but we distort for our own means. But the third one is the transparent material. It allows the light to easily pass through them. I think God is looking for transparent people who will let his light shine through them and let his light have its full effect on our culture of today. We need to be transparent of who we are and let the light of God shine through. We have what the world needs. We have it, church. We don't need to go looking for it. We have it. We just need the effectiveness of real, true salt. And we need to be real, true light. That's who I am. What am I? Well, I've probably actually just spoken, told you who, what we are. What am I? We are the light, the salt of the earth and light to 
to the world. I say to you, it's foolishness to lose that savor. It's foolishness to have that light and not let it shine. It's foolishness for the church to lose its effectiveness. Ask yourself the question, how can I preserve in my life? How can I be a preserving influence in my life, in the culture around me? How can I show the way to the culture around me? If the salt is not applied, what's going to happen? The food is going to rotten. It's going to spoil and it's going to be worthless. If the light is not shined, what's the world going to do? They're going to walk in darkness. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What does it say? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill is, is, is conspicuous. You can't miss it. It can't be missed. You say, there it is. I see it. And you can see it from many miles away if the conditions are right. It's conspicuous. It's there in your face. It shines brightly. There's the place where I'm going. And we as the church need to shine and we need to be conspicuous by the quality of the salt that we put out and the quality of the light we put out. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. Let me read that again. The glory of the gospel is when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. I think that's a great statement. We're meant to be conspicuous. We are meant to stand out. We are meant to be different. But sadly, there's too much of the church wanting to be like the world. The world is to look on us and see something different. This is nothing new, I'm telling you, but I feel the challenge of it. That we are to be salt and light. You are salt and light. If that light doesn't shine, then those needing refuge will never see it. They cannot see it. Those weary travelers, if the light of the city had not shone, they would have kept on in their weariness, looking for a light. Those needing refuge will not see it. Is that the problem today? That the, the world doesn't see the real salt and the real light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just read something this morning in one of the papers. And I was talking about the Church of Scotland. The report had been done. Um, 
more Scots than ever have described themselves as having no religion according to, no, to, according to new research. The Scottish Attitude Survey compiled by the independent research body, Scotsend, found 58% of respondents said they had no religion at all. When the survey was carried out in 1999, the figure was 40%. Among major denominations, the Church of Scotland has seen the sharpest decline, with just 18% saying they belong to the Kirk. The Church of Scotland figure for 1999 was 35%. It's halved. As each generation coming through is consistently less religious than the last, it is hard to imagine this trend can coming to a halt in the near future. Now, this is what the world, this is the salt and the light that the world wants to apply to the church. And sadly, even within the Church of Scotland and other churches, they have applied this standard of salt and light. This, was, this, this is what... They were suggesting needs to happen. However, if the Kirk is a, the Kirk, that's the word for the Scottish Church. However, the Kirk is able to push through liberalising measures such as allowing ministers to oversee same-sex marriage ceremonies. It is possible that its appeal may broaden somewhat to younger, more socially liberal Scots. And sadly. There's elements within the church see that as salt and light. True salt and true light. Church, we're meant to be very, very <clears throat> different. Very, very different. We are meant to stand out like a sore thumb. Jesus said, we are. Now you may ask the question, can I really make a difference? Can I really make a difference? Well, Jesus seems to think so because he said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Jesus says we can make a difference. You may turn around, one of the commentators said, when we look and we see what the, the, what, who we are. And that's why I read the first number of verses. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hunger and thirst. Blessed are the pure, merciful, pure in heart. We can turn around and get deflated at times to say, well, the world doesn't want anything to do with that. But Jesus is telling us here, that's the very things that will attract the world. That is the very example of salt and light that will attract the world. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Jesus knew what he was saying. The answer to the world is the church. You are. You are. Can I make a difference? Well, listen, on the day the flood came, did the first drop of rain say, am I really making a difference here? And we know what happened. Think of the single cell in the body. We've had a lot of dedications recently, new babies. 
from a single cell comes new life. From the mustard seed, Jesus said, grows up, it, it grows hugely and can affect all around. When God called one man out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he says, I will make of you a great nation. Can I really make a difference? Yes, I can. Don't be discouraged. And I know it's hard at times, but this is where we need to turn back to who God really is and what he really says. We can make a difference. We can look at society and say it'll never come back to what it was. Well, listen, God has done it in the past. As Pastor said earlier, we're about to celebrate this year, celebrating 500 years of the Reformation where the church was lost in darkness. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Reformation. There would be no Methodist, Presbyterian, Brethren, and on and on if it wasn't for the Reformation. We can make a difference. It's not a hopeless cause. One scholar says, a secret disciple is no more use in the world than one who has lost his distinctiveness. Church, we need to be distinctive again. We need to come out of hiding. Everybody else is coming out of the closet. We need to come out of the closet. We need to come out of hiding because we are the church of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you about my third point. Who am I? What am I? Am I? Am I? Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In the same way, just as salt preserves and as light shines, we are to do it in the same way. As these two metaphors, we are to be conspicuous. We're to be distinctive. We're to put our light on a pole and let it shine. We are to rub the salt in. And that's what will make the difference. That's what will spring forth results. It's time for the church, for it's time for the church to regain its distinctiveness. I want to challenge you tonight and myself tonight. We need to regain our distinctiveness in who we are and where we are. You go on and you read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus starts to address the flesh. He picks in sins of anger, of lust, divorce. And let's be honest, there's a lot of, a lot of the things that are in the church that should not be in the church. And I believe Jesus is asking us to address these things and to start to put things right and back in place. Church, I believe that we are the answer to the world because Jesus said we are the answer to the world. You are 
the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. And as we put things back in place and regain our distinctiveness as the church of Christ, this is what I believe will happen. That the world will see our good works and they will give glory to God in heaven. And I believe we will see people in more numbers come to Christ. And it's not more about numbers, but we will see people genuinely saved because they're seeing a clear picture of who the church is. Let the culture think it's brighter. But if we like this projector shine brighter, they'll see the truth and they'll see Jesus in us and they'll see the good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And that's what we want to see. God's name glorified. God's name honored. The church taking the place that it was designed to take and Christ being at the head. Let's do it for the glory of God. Let's see his name glorified and honored again. Where do we start? Sometimes we're right back at the beginning. Let's get the salt and the light back in to our lives. Let's be transparent people and let the love of God shine in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that your word is true. That it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, as your word has been shared tonight, I pray that it would cut and it would slice through our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and it would begin to deal with what is not right in our lives. Lord, not to beat us down. You don't want to beat us down. But you want us to raise us up to be pure and to be holy. That we can be salt that is full of savor. That we can be light that shines brighter than anything around. Lord, you have said we are the salt of the earth and that we are the light of the world. Lord, help us to rub that salt in and help us to put that light on a pole and let it shine all around. That, Lord, that your name would be glorified, that your name would be honored, Lord, and that once again, Lord, that you would be seen, Lord, like, 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 like times we've read off in the past, Lord. Lord, the culture is dark. It is decomposing. It is walking in darkness. But Lord, we know that you can restore. The Lord, that you can brighten that darkness and that you can stop that decomposition. Lord, we give you the glory and we give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.